Hi everyone, James here. Really quick before we get this episode started, I wanted to apologize in advance for some of the audio quality issues in this episode. We've all been in a state of change the last couple weeks, and recently our normal audio arrangements just weren't available for this conversation. We did our best to balance the audio levels, but there are some spots that aren't the greatest. We hope you still enjoy the conversation. Glad to have you along. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Restoration Podcast. I'm Dave, he's Evan, and you're James. Uh, folks, this is our 10th episode. How exciting. What do you think? It's wonderful. So, <laughs> so before we really get into it, fellas, uh, we got to tell everybody how to get a hold of us. Uh, hit us up on our email at the Restoration Podcast podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions we want this to be a four-person conversation with you included uh be sure to hit us up on instagram at the restoration podcast we're looking forward to hearing from you how are we doing boys i uh doing well doing well i'm gonna add to that too i'm loving the 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 fourth chair here in this conversation uh if folks want to use hashtags on instagram to uh let us know what they're doing and and keep us tagged in their posts and really fun to, to see what people have been getting into. So uh, hashtag the restoration podcast for all you millennial internet users. Thank you so much for uh, showing us what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And we 150% appreciate your listenership and we hope you're gaining knowledge from this podcast and are enjoying our content. If you aren't, that's okay too. Just be sure to let us know so we can get better and improve our podcasts so that you get something out of it as well. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. So, guys. So, episode 10. We've we've made it 10 episodes deep. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the chemicals we use for our restoration processes. I feel like we've done a lot of talking about mechanical means to do restoration and kind of like the subtractive part of restoration, removing, removing rust, removing paint. Um, using wire wheels and scrapers and blah, blah, blah. We want to talk about the chemicals that we are into uh, for our hobby. (laughs) Absolutely, Dave. And just throwing it out there that um, the the products that we're naming are in no way a sponsor of this uh, podcast currently. They're just what we enjoy using, what we have always used and have found have worked the best for us. If you have something else that you'd like to use, please let us know. There's thousands of chemicals out there that we don't know about. We're just sharing the ones that we like and the ones that we use in our shops. So if you have something that works well for you, please let us know because we'd love to hear about it. So let's let's jump right into it. Uh, I'm going to start us off with rust removal. I think there's a big one for me, and then there's some other little ones that we can get into. But uh, I know you guys feel the same way because we've talked about it off off the podcast. But evaporust. Fantastic yeah. product, right? So oh, absolutely, yeah. I love it. It's it's a great product. You know, it's it's environmentally friendly, and you can also use it, obviously, to get the rust off of your of your your item that you're restoring. But the great thing about it, though, and I think everybody knows this if you've if you've used this if you've used evapo rust before, is that it doesn't take off paint. So if you have an original finish that you want to keep, you have an old tool or <laughs> an old vice or a machine that has something that you really, like, character that you like. If you put it in a vapor rust, it will get rid of the rust, but it won't take off the paint and it won't take off that original finish. 
Um, make sure to follow the instructions, though. You don't want to go too far. If you leave it in there for a, a bunch of time, you know, it might have adverse effects on some finishes. But if you follow the directions, it, it doesn't take paint off, and it's a great uh, product to use. And I've found that it takes rust off very, very well. It leaves kind of like a, a black, sooty, almost uh, material on it, and you have to wash that off afterwards. But it's, it's really easy to use. You stick it in the bucket or a container that you build, and it takes care of the rust, and it, it's good to go. I, I love it. What about you guys? What are your experiences with Evaporust? Because I, I love it. Yeah, I I jumped full in with Evaporust once I saw <clears throat> how other people were using it in their projects. I went straight to get in the five-gallon bucket. And just their thought to including that basket was really nice because not only could I um, – I, I put my entire bench vice in, in a single uh, job. And then nice. I bat basket with the little fasteners uh, resting on top of it, but still submerged. And so in one go, uh, I think I left that job in for maybe two, maybe three hours. Uh, but one go, I had the whole thing ready to go. Uh, and like Evan said, it came out with a little bit of a, a black film on it. It rinses off really well. They recommend warm water. Um, it's nice if you have that water in your shop. I don't. So I had to get blessing from the missus to bring everything inside and I rinsed it down to the sink. Oh, that's always uh, important. Uh, yep, yeah, keep but wife happy. environmentally wife friendly. Happy I didn't feel bad about it going down the drain. Um, so, I uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough about it. It's really useful to have. I will say that it is temperature sensitive. So, just live, if you live, if you live north of the equator by a good deal, um, be careful where you leave it at night. I have come out and uh, and found it to be frozen, and it will it will still work, <clears throat> but relative to the temperature, it works. The reaction is much slower. So right. a don't now, let it freeze, and and b don't be surprised if it if it goes a little slow. It's cold out at night. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've think. seen some guys that go like a hundred and twenty percent all out with evaporust, <laughs> and they have a large like 55 gallon drum that they fill it with and they even put a, a heater a heater element and a, a circulating pump in there so that it circulates it around and it keeps it at a constant temperature so even if it's cold outside you can still use it and i found that uh from the videos that i've watched that the people that heat it up and circulate it it works even faster and works better uh, than just letting it sit. Now it still it still works if you let it sit in the bucket, but if you yeah. if you can heat it and circulate it, it just it increases that process and makes it go a lot faster. I think. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, they recommend I think like seventy. I want to say seventy eight degrees. That's just off the top of my head. I mean, it's and it's cool. Like if you have the space to do something like that, I think that's a, a neat idea. I personally like for for really big stuff. I feel like mechanical. Um, Mechanical means tend to be my go-to for removing rust on like a larger casting. Just uh, you know, because then you got this big wet drippy thing that you got to wash off, and it gets all over the place. And but yeah, I mean, I think as far as the rust remover uh, liquids go, uh, I think Evaporust is the tops. Have any of you guys ever used any of the, like the like the WD40 brand, or I think there's another one, maybe like another uh, like Lowe's brand that of a similar product. I have not. I've only used Evaporust. That's that's the only one I've used. The WD-40 brand rust removal liquid. I tried that product uh, when I was in a, I guess, not really in a pinch. I just wanted to get the job done. 
and there weren't any places, you know, the closest place for me to go was Lowe's. So I wound up buying the WD-40 brand and I wasn't really pleased with it. Um, it wasn't as, it just didn't work as effectively as the Evaporus. And it may just be the same thing, kind of reverse engineered, but I, I, I'm not sure, but it just wasn't as efficient in, in the process. Like I took it out a couple of times. The piece that I was restoring, I took out of the bath a couple of times and there was still brown rust on it and I just was just not very satisfied. So I don't use it anymore. Right. Have, have either of you guys, I, I've heard some people swear by it and I, I personally, I've never used it, so I can't attest to its benefits. But has any of you tried navel jelly? I was just about to ask the same question. Yeah, I have not. And, and I'm really curious about it. I feel like it's super aggressive from what yeah. I understand. That's, that's like I mean, a, it's, it smells, it has a... Uh, super chemical smell to it. Um, yeah. But if, if any of you guys out in listener land have ever used navel jelly and have good results with it, I've heard it go both ways. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Let us know uh, what you guys think of navel jelly because we all use Evaporust, it seems, as our primarily uh, rust removal for smaller parts. Um, so if navel jelly works for you, let us know because that, that's also a good product to use if, if it works. That's one of those ones. It's like it is more of a gel state, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I've used Evaporust gel, and I like that for, like, big surfaces. Actually, I wound up using that to, like, unless you have a giant tank of Evaporust, you're not going to be able to do, like, a toolbox, say, unless, like I said, you have a lot of product. Uh, with the with the Evaporust gel, I was able just to paint it onto an old toolbox, and it worked It worked really well. Um, does it does it so, stick nice does it it doesn't fall off very easy yeah yeah it's super sticky like it'll dry out and then you just like brush it off or you could wash it off um <laughs> and it's funny for a similar application like an, an older toolbox restoration i did a few years prior to that i just took a vapor rust and i soaked it in paper towels and i laid it on those flat surfaces yep. of the toolbox little little sketchy but it worked <laughs> i was gonna ask if, if you guys had success with that because that is that is the only thing I have not gotten to work in my benefit, and it was because it was coupled with it being cold. I soaked a whole bunch of those nice red shop rags in the vaporous and put it out on a nice on the big the uh, first table saw top the Crescent Universal one, and I yep. left it and I and I rinsed it a couple times before I went to bed, and the next morning I woke up and I wasn't. I wasn't pleased with it, but I did realize that the um, the towels were half frozen. So <laughs> I, I, that was the first time I, I researched and found out that it was temperature dependent. So yeah, I quickly switched that that was not going to be the way to get rust off last. That's so right. I think I think the key thing here to remember with evapor rust is make sure your temperature is appropriate. I know a lot of people <laughs> have shops outdoors. They they might not be heated. You might be doing it in a garage. So if, if you're exposed to the elements and you don't have a heated space that you're working in, please make sure your temperature is the appropriate according to the instructions on Evaporust so that it works uh, to your benefit and not the detriment of your project taking more time or, or messing something up. I've tried to plan my limited time uh, around when things go into the Evaporust, and I'll make that the last thing I do for the evening and then I'll because I have the bucket I'll put it in the bucket bring it inside and then when I'm ready to get going on it uh the next day I'll bring it back out and that way it's not, it's not exposed to that huge temperature swing yeah absolutely so anything else for rust removal chemical wise that you guys oh. use that we haven't talked about 
uh, I'm going to go back to Evaporus. It is environmentally safe. It is something that you don't need to put your gloves on to handle normally. However, <laughs> if you're working on your car and your hands get all ripped up doing something on your car and you decide to, uh, to ease your mind by switching to some rust removal projects, I would not recommend dipping open wounds into a bucket of Evaporus because that is painful. It hurts so bad. Oh, my it God, hurts. it hurts so bad. It hurts so oh. good, so bad, and it's and it's instant, and it's a cold shock. It is awful. Yeah. So, wow. in those instances, I would recommend um, wearing some latex gloves because that's no. Dude, I have oh. just a funny, funny side story. Like, I, I kind of go interchangeably between evapor rust and uh, like wire wheel action for rust removal, and like some, I was running a, a wire wheel on a on a a drill press way too fast, and it was blowing wires all over the place so i had all these little cuts in my arms and i had to uh i had to pick some like tiny parts out of the bottom of a five gallon bucket and like the second i stuck my arms in there i'm like just scream or not screaming but i'm just like oh my god what am I oh you were screaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were screaming like a tiny little girl <laughs> yeah crying the entire time we, we could probably stretch that we could stretch that theme to anything. Any chemical we talk about right now is not recommended for open wounds. Yeah, probably. But fortunately, I've never had that experience. So I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'm not going to try. That's right. But That's fair. That's what do fair. you guys think? So we talked about our rust removal chemicals that we use. We're pretty much uh, <laughs> unanimous on, on evaporust with, uh, with a few things here and there that we tried out. What about for paint and grease removal? You know, where you don't want to preserve the finish, you might have something heavily caked in grease, um, or you just have a paint that you do not want to be there anymore, because a lot of times old tools and restorations come with paint or finishes that you're like, hey, this may work for them, but it doesn't work for me, and I need it gone. Right. For me, I'll go ahead and start off. Simple green is the way to go. Now, I have heard... Just as many people say they love it as just as many people say they hate it. Personally, I love it. I'm a little more patient with my restorations. I can dedicate, you know, several days to letting it sit in my big 50-gallon tank that I have. And I leave parts in there that are covered with paint, covered with grease. I put it in there for two, maybe three days, and it is gone. Absolutely gone. The paint just melts off. The grease wipes right off. And I've had excellent, excellent experiences with Simple Green, and that, that's my go-to. So what about you guys for grease and paint when you need it gone? What do you guys do? Um, so up until recently, I've been using two different main ones. So I would use – if I would need to soak something, like free, I guess a, a vice or something that had paint on it that I want to go on, I would soak it in uh, this product. I want to say – uh, I'm struggling right now because I just started trying two different ones. So I use this one product called Greased Lightning, which I like a lot. And uh, you can get that at like any big box store. Um, I'm trying to remember if that's the one that I like. Um, Greased Lightning and Crudco. Oh, no, no, no. Greased Lightning is not the one. Edit that out. <laughs> and go. So I really like this one called uh, Crud Cutter that I've been using for a while. Uh, I like Simple Green as well, but my past experience with crud cutter has been really good. And that's just a, it's a degreaser that you can get at most big box stores. And it comes in like the, I don't know, multiple gallon jugs or just in a small spray bottle. 
if you need to loosen up like loose loose uh grit nasty stuff you can spray it on there with the atomizer bottle or like if you wanted to soak something overnight it'll strip the paint right off um but i also wanted to say uh more a less common one that i, I don't really hear a lot of guys talk about i really like uh using odorless mineral spirits as a grease remover that has worked really well for me uh, I already have it on hand for doing like paintbrush cleanup and like I'll either put it in a spray bottle or I'll soak parts in small containers of it and it works really well for getting that stuff off. I'll agree that mineral spirits is where I've ended up. Uh, when I first got into to working on things, it was in college and the guys I was working on projects with uh, used some pretty heavy stuff like acetone and MEK and uh, boy, that stuff will get the job well, done. It is. Yeah harsh yeah. it is harsh on your body it is harsh on uh what you're doing but we would have a lot of seized hydraulics that we'd be working on and so yes. get the grease, the grease and the paint and everything out of it so we could rebuild it uh fresh and clean was the, the need but you had to be really safe i mean getting that stuff on your skin was awful uh breathing it was terrible uh, well, how would you apply it would you soak it or would you spray it on we would spray it on and we would rub it off typically um and we do yeah we do multiple passes um so i don't think that that's necessary in most restoration i would say that that is an extreme um and then i'd go the other way and is when i was in an apartment and i had no space or setup I, all i had at disposal was what walmart had i tried you guys tried the citrus stiff strip stuff yes yes, yes. i used to use yes, that all the time I have. do you like, I like it? it it did no, not I hate it yeah, I was gonna say it did not work the way I wanted it to work. I was severely disappointed. I was uh, making some lights for my kitchen, and I ha found these really cool lampshade tops that I turned into light casings, and they had some paint on it. So it was a really small application, and this was a small bottle. So I figured, oh, what the heck, I'll try it. And it, I, I applied it three times, and I feel like the paint only came off because of mechanical friction and not because the chemical was helping me but i don't know evan you said you said you like it what do you use it on? yeah well i mean okay I've, I've used it for one big project where i used it extensively on my walker turner 16 inch bandsaw and i have i have a, a pro and a con so the the pro was it did take the paint that was on there off it took it down to the original pea green paint, which even I don't think a nuclear bomb could take that paint off because it's just <laughs> on there. It's but like the, the gray on. paint that was, yeah, the gray paint that was painted over it, it took that off just fine. The the con, though, is that uh, I had it outside. You know, you, you want to use it in a well-ventilated area. Don't use it inside. And it was in the sun. Now, it wasn't like hot, direct sunlight, but it was in the light. And it dried it out quicker. It kind of needs to stay wet and, and, and yep. sticky in order for it to work. Um, so I had to reapply several times in order to keep the, the, the wetness, the stickiness up so that it would work. And I, I could watch it basically within the matter of, of a couple minutes where the paint would bubble up and, you know, chunks would start slipping down. And then when I um, started scraping it off, it, it would come off in big chunks all the way down to the base layer. And it did work for me for that project. Um, I have heard as well that it, it doesn't work for some things. Um, just like you guys say, it didn't work very well for you. But for that specific project, it, it did work pretty well for me. I used to use it extensively. I used to have a side business doing uh, 
restoring leather fire helmets. A lot of those old style fire helmets that guys wear are actually made of cowhide and they're painted with oil-based paints. And so I would strip them down. They get, you know, they get their butt kicked by fires. And uh, so I, you know, strip them down. But anyway, I use uh, that stuff almost exclusively for a few years. The problem with it is, at least from my view, like you said, Evan, that it dries out quickly. One good tip for using that stuff is if you, uh, if you put a layer of like cellophane uh, wrap over top of it, it'll keep it, keep it juicy. Oh, right, uh, right. But it's for the amount of mess that it creates, it's almost like it, my, here's my view. For the amount of mess that it creates, you may as well use like a Jasco, like super evil paint stripper uh, and just, you know, have a mess, but also have it gone in one shot instead of waiting multiple hours doing multiple passes because that's pretty right. much what to expect. Right. Well, I mean, what, what the, the one benefit, though, to, to the citrus strip is that you can smell it. It smells nice. It has the orange scent to it, and it doesn't melt your brain right away. I'm sure if you stayed there and just kept on smelling it, it, w- it would do some damage, but it's not like those super harsh paint strippers that can melt your brain right out of your head. See, <laughs> I think you've got it all wrong, dude. The thing is, you got it. The, the lets you know it's working. Yeah, I, su- I suppose so. Yeah, the worse it smells, the better it works. Yep, <laughs> that's a fact. Speaking of bad smells, you guys mess around with acetone? Very uh, rarely. Yeah, We're only that... only cleaning some cleaning some stuff up, getting rid of some maybe heavy duty grease. I use it to uh, I used it to clean off the top of my my table saw to get a lot of grit and dirt off of that. Um, but that's, that's the only time I've, I've used it. I have a can and I've had that can for a couple years now and that's about all the use it's got. Yeah. yeah. Just, just wiping down, uh, rotten hydraulic cylinders, but that's about it. I love the stuff. I use it a lot. Uh, as far as for, it just is a very quick, it's, it's very aggressive and effective. It strips paint, it strips skin. <laughs> you gotta work I'm sure it. it does. Yep. It'll dries your hands out. Dries yes. your hands out. Oh, uh, ter- something terrible too. Um, and but it's really I've, I've even I've even had gloves on, and you get it on your gloves, and it just cracks and destroys the gloves. Yeah, it's some nasty stuff. It just destroys it. Well, Anything yeah. else for uh, I, paint? I was gonna oh. say, um, you had mentioned restoring the leather on the um, fire helmets. Uh, yep. You guys ever use rubbing alcohol to pull out like scuff marks and stuff from leather? Um, I did not. I would sometimes use steam to try and help lift that. I don't think that worked great, but it was like, you know, I tried it. You know, it's like a wood thing. I tried it on that. Did, does that work? I've never tried that before. Yeah, I, I've used rubbing alcohol a couple of times and <clears throat> usually it's on soft leathers. Like, uh, specifically, like if you're cleaning your tennis shoes and you got like white shoes with scuff marks, uh, just, um, some rubbing alcohol, paper towel, a couple rounds, uh, usually will brighten it all up. I, I realize this is way off the restoration topic, but just bringing back life into something like that, um, it's not as harmful and it's nice to have around when you're just trying to, to get a, a good clean. Yeah, you know, I, I will sure. say this. I've used, I've used denatured alcohol on a lot of things. Uh, at one point, I was restoring <clears throat> like some old rifles, and I didn't want to damage the finish because they were historic. Uh, and I was someone recommended using denatured alcohol on the wood, 
to get a lot of the nasty stuff off the wood. And it actually worked really well. It's one of those things though. It's not very, it's not very aggressive and I like aggressive stripping and cleaning agents. So it does take kind of a long time, but for the right application, which, you know, a historic piece, you really do need something that's kind of soft. Yeah. Rawr, I just want it to rip. I want it to be done. Yeah. Really Towards the entire thing and it come out beautiful. That's Dave, cool. the aggressive stripper there. Hey, oh, <laughs> <laughs> make it rain. Okay. All right. Um, we we're kind of dabbling in degreasers. So besides uh, going all out in acetone, you guys have gummed up bearings or um, really greasy uh, surfaces. What do you what do you tend to, to lean towards? For me, it's simple green. Um, I I leave that in the in the tanks, and I put I put everything in there, and it gets the grease out. It takes uh, a little bit of cleaning sometimes, you know, during if you, if you open up the tank and and um, use a wire brush or some other cleaning method to kind of agitate it and get things loosened up. It, it helps it all along. But mostly simple green is where I go. That, that's the only one I've I've been using and it works great for me. Yeah, I can attest to that, too. I, I actually have a couple of carburetor parts in a bucket of simple green in my kitchen right now. My house <laughs> smells amazing, I must say. That's and, good. Uh, but it actually it works so well. They were covered in like non-detergent oil and gas and all kinds of nastiness uh, that you find under the hood of your car. And they uh, they came out looking brand new, beautiful, like nice aluminum castings. Uh, they were like like Evan said, they did have some some deposits on them that I had to kind of scrape off. I think I used like a, like a brass brush to kind of break some of those up, and that worked fine. Put them back in the tank and get them out in a few more hours. Yeah. What about you, James? I, I'll just simply agree. Um, simple green is what I go to. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of grease in the big projects I'm working on, but it has helped a little bit with dealing with some of the bearings. Um, it's nice to have around if you're working on car stuff too, um, or just trying to, to clean up a mess. Uh, I don't have any specific exciting stories, but that's just what I have in my shop. All right. I actually just—I I just finished restoring a uh, uh, an overhead trolley hoist, and it was caked full of nasty old grease. And uh, this was before my Simple Green indoctrination, and I just soaked those parts in a, a bath of um, of odorless mineral spirits, and that worked great. And I must emphasize the odorless, especially if you're going to be around other people. Regular mineral spirits is intensely odiferous. It's bad. It's stinky. <laughs> For sure. Yep. So what about oils? What about something where, or it could be a spray or some, some type of lubrication where, now this is kind of two pronged because it could be before you start the restoration and you need to get stuff to move again or just to spin or, or free it up. And it could also be for after the restoration when you're reassembling and putting things back together. What do you like? to lubricate your parts with whether it's just making things move again or final assembly and you want it to slide nicely um, i'll go ahead and start just real quick i think almost everybody has a can of wd-40 in their garage <coughs> amen and i've used that a lot whenever i need to just get something going in my, my initial start on the project i spray it down with wd-40 it gets into all the different places and, and kind of starts freeing up things so that they can start moving back and forth. And I've always had great success with that. 
Um, I know a lot of people use Croil, and I have to get a can of Croil. It's pretty expensive, but I've heard awesome things about Croil, and I'm looking forward to trying that. So that's one of the things I'm I'm looking forward to getting to my shop is a can of Croil. But WD-40 has never let me down. Uh, so that's that's my go-to for before and after, uh, depending on what I'm doing. But Yeah. How about you, James? What are, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, <clears throat> I've actually been doing some research on this because I want to make sure in the process of taking apart and reassembling the Universal Woodworker, uh, we did break it down into uh, quite a few pieces and parts and did open up some of the uh, original Babbitt bearings and sliding surfaces. So those were all exposed, and I figured since they were exposed, now would be a good time to put a little bit of lubricant on them, and I wanted to do the right thing. Um, I did some research. Obviously, the chemicals of today are uh, of a high technical variety, whereas, you know, 100 years ago, more or less, uh, most things would work. So I did some research and found that um, for sliding surfaces, I've been going to three-in-one. Have you guys used that? Yep, I do. I, I love, love I love three in one. Yeah. So three in one's nice. The I got the the little ones with the long uh, applicators, so you can get right yep. to the um, the spot of lubrication, which has been great. Um, and I like that over. I I'll agree with with what Evan said. WD forty is great to get things moving again, but it will dry out quickly. So it's not something that I would set and forget. I would want to get yep. it, have a right. little bit right. more of an oil in there for sustained. Uh, but low low volume usage so like the slide the slide channels on uh, the angles <clears throat> excuse me i'm gonna start over um i would <laughs> get the up. yeah i know right <laughs> i would use it on the the sliding uh surfaces for like raising and lowering the table saw or the um angle adjustment on the bandsaw uh, things that didn't see a high cycle, and so that oil would sit just in between those surfaces for a while. Um, what I found for Babbitt bearing, and again, Babbitt bearings are, are fairly old technology, and they're they're fairly able to take a lot, um, but you do got to be careful. A light-grade oil, uh, actually like lawnmower oil, um, SAE 30 oil is what I have around, and I looked up. And it seemed to be that that works. So that's what I've both cleaned and uh, re-lubricated the Babbitt bearings. And they seem to spin all right. I haven't put any load on it, the machine yet. So only time will tell. And if we have an episode on rebuilding Babbitt bearings, it's because I picked wrong or I don't know what I'm doing. But at this point, <laughs> I'm happy with how everything's yeah. spinning right now. So I hope you don't mess up your Babbitt bearings. But if you do, I mean redoing babbitt bearings is kind of a cool process that not a lot of people do anymore so that'd be kind of fun to see but i i don't i hope you don't mess up your babbitt bearings Me, yeah i would put that on you but going <laughs> along like I, there's a there's a saying oh i hope i'm saying this right i think if it spins oil it if it slides grease it have you guys heard that before no no and i feel like i I, I, I might be always, saying that wrong well i was gonna say i i feel like i always have some questions about whether I should grease something or oil it. I feel like, generally speaking, if you, if it's difficult to access or you're not going to access it all the time, it's better to apply a grease. But I don't think that's necessarily a truism. I think it's just sort of either out of convenience or misunderstanding on my part. I really just don't know what I don't know. Uh, so I think it, it, it comes down to 
quite a few factors. Actually, the rule of thumb for me is if it's getting encased or hidden, usually grease can be preferred, like if you can never get to it again. But if there's an opportunity for uh, dust or debris to get in there, uh, but relubrication is expected to be more frequent, then oil might be preferred. Um, in my understanding, though, it, it, you're going you're gonna to be playing a lot with the cycle count and the temperature. So right. if it's in a motor sense. or if it's in uh, you know, an arbor bearing on a table saw, the amount of rotations, the amount of time it's under load, uh, could determine what your um, uh, your oil weight or your your yep. grease weight viscosity viscosity. Gosh, I should know that. I'm, it's late. I'm the I dumb guy, dude. You're the smart guy. You're supposed to know these things. <laughs> no, I can't be the smart guy on everything. Um, I, yeah, I take that. I take that back because I mean, I guess it all it depends on your application and and what you're doing. Because if you just think of like a Bridgeport mill, you. you you don't grease the ways on that. You put oil on it. So those slide across each other and, and you put oil on that. You don't grease those. So um, it depends on the application. So make sure you read your owner's manuals and, and don't put the incorrect fluid or grease somewhere that you don't know exactly what it, it needs to be because you could mess it up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of those manuals really do go into the nitty gritty on exactly what they specify, especially for like, uh, like for example, my lathe has a lot of different. I has like four different oils that I that I wind up using on it, um, just to give, keep each different component that does a different function operating optimally. Like you've got your weight oil that's nice for sliding. You said just like you said, yeah. There's a lot of different things out there that you should you should know what you're putting on what. It can. It can they often give you the the brand that they want, the weight that they want, and the amount of time that you should go before oiling it or greasing it again and and you got to make sure that if it specifies a specific weight or a specific brand because sometimes these brands even if they have the same viscosity they might have different additives they might have different um things that they add to their oils that you need to make sure they have because that machine requires it right just going back to some other different kinds of oils that we started talking about before um we were talking about three-in-one regular oil just sort of general purpose oil they also have a really good penetrating oil that i that i like a lot it's the same kind of drip application as opposed to like the um pv blaster that's more typically like a spray application so if you have to do kind of some precision work like you're getting into a uh screw hole or something like that that makes it a little bit easier and a little bit less messy and i i really stand behind that product i love it right I've also seen a lot of people, I mean, especially with vices, had a lot of experience, uh, not personally, but other people with, they mix acetone 50-50 with automatic transmission fluid, and oh. they they let it soak. They, they put whole vices in buckets filled with this, and you could have the most rusted, crusted, stuck vice in the world, mm. and 50-50 mix of acetone and ATF will... 9.9 times out of 10 get that thing unstuck and moving again it's amazing wow that's incredible now does it is it a, does it do anything to the rust or is it just get everything degreased or clean or no, no i it, it doesn't it doesn't do much i mean i i don't know the whole story but it doesn't look like the pictures i've seen it doesn't look like it does much for the rust except 
get in, it creeps into all of the nooks and crannies and kind of freezes it up a little bit so you can start moving it. But it's still pretty crunchy if you go to move it, even after it's it's crept in there. But it gets it gets it lubricated so it's not just bone dry and stuck together. It gets it moving, creeps into everywhere, and hopefully, you know, more often than not, it helps you get that part unstuck. Interesting that we're talking about that, and this is not exactly a chemical, but I mean, <laughs> using water as a as a rust removal treatment, electrolysis is amazing. Oh, so electrolysis is fantastic. That's like Once a whole it, other topic for us to delve into, but I mean, yeah, I think we can cover it kind of in a general way. Um, you know, it, the, that's the kind of deal where you put your part in a metal in a tank with some metal anodes. Am I saying that right? With yep. a couple of metal, metal, sacrificial metal pieces, you run electric current from the uh, part into these metal pieces, and it as as the current passes, it kind of grabs little bits of rust off of it and transfers it onto those metal pieces. And yep. that's kind of a dumb right. guy way of saying it, but you know, yeah, it's great. I mean, I've heard that works great. I, I've seen it work. It that also takes grease and paint and other junk off as well as rust, sure and it, it, that's a that's a great process. You just got to have the uh, the setup for it. A lot of people use 55 gallon drums. They fill it with water. You have to have, you know, your wires and, and a battery charger or a trickle charger um, to run that. And th there's not uncommon pieces, but it requires a little more setup than just dunking something in a bucket or pouring something over it. For sure. I've actually um, never uh, done electrolysis. I was looking into it, but at the same time, I was looking into evaporust. And as soon as I got evaporust, I haven't actually really thought to go back and try it. It seems like a lot of setup, and uh, I'm not going to be creating a 55-gallon drum for myself. So um, That's okay. Yeah. We forgive you. Evan, have you ever done it? I have not personally, no, but I, I, I talk with a good friend uh, frequently who does it on the regular, and he's had awesome experiences with it. He sends me pictures of before and after, and it, it's amazing what, what it does, you know, just from soaking it or – you don't soak it. You, it's like an active process. And, right. you know, from several hours to maybe a day of being in that tank, it's, it's crazy what it takes off and, and what it loosens up. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Do you lose metal as well in that process? Some, not, not uh, yeah, a little bit. I've actually, I did it on a, uh, so I found a Wilton bullet vice in the junkyard that was completely seized and like rusted and corroded, you know, completely a boat anchor. Um, and I did the uh, electrolysis treatment on it. I got a uh, maybe like a 25 gallon tote uh, box from Home Depot, and I got some uh, some pieces of uh, sheet metal from the same place. And I uh, drilled holes in those sheet metals, and I wired some galvanized wire to the plates to connect them all together because they have to be linked somewhat. There's you know there's there's some nitty gritty involved. If you want to try it, look it up. It's it's very simple. Um, I got myself a battery charger and I set it to, uh, I think like two, don't want to say two amps or something like that. Very low. And I connected, uh, I connected the vice to it. I had the vice kind of dangling in the water, which you actually also add some washing soda or baking soda to the water and mix it up, kind of create a electrolyte solution. And, uh, I just let it sit for like two days. And when I took it out, it basically moved as it should. It was nice. incredible. It was it's really, really cool. If, if you haven't tried it out, you, you got to try it. It's way cool. Excellent. Yeah. 
Gentlemen, anything else to share with our listeners about oils, greases, any other fluids that you feel are important in your shop that you use on a regular basis or would like to try? Is there anything out there that you've heard works well that you haven't tried yet that you would like to to give a try? I mean, I know I mentioned Croyo earlier. I've heard awesome things about that. It's a little expensive, but I, I want to try that someday. Uh, what about you guys? Anything you want to try in your shop? You know, uh, there's one kind of uncommon solution or uh, liquid solution that I like to use for degreasing sometimes, if it's all I have. Uh, gasoline is an excellent degreaser. It's not the safest degreaser out there, but it works so well. Um, if you haven't tried it before, it will, it'll surprise you how effective That's- it is. You got to think about what gasoline is. It's just, you know, uh, petroleum and some like, what do you, what do you solvents? <laughs> so it's a great solvent. But it's that, very flammable, that, so be careful. That's funny you say that because I uh, n- not as not as bad as I have it for universal woodworkers, but I do like picking up the occasional old uh, machine maintenance manuals and uh, just how tos. And I have one dated from the '40s talking about this is how I was trying to get smart on Babbitt bearings without getting lost in the internet. And they recommend that when you open up Babbitt bearings, if they're if they're dirty. You just uh, put them in a bath of gasoline, and it's yep. so, it's oh, wow. so it, it is it is the language of it is so frank. Just oh yeah, that's just the the liquid of choice for for cleaning anything up is just soak it in the gasoline you got lying dude, around. Dude, it's hilarious. There's a whole like as a firefighter, there's a fire prevention initiative for people of that you know greatest generation to teach them not to use gasoline as a cleaner because <laughs> there was actually a, a genuine issue with people starting fires by accident in their house of that age by cleaning stuff with gas. And wow. it was very it, common back then. It works. It works great. But like you said, you got to be careful, very flammable. Um, make sure you're, you're working safe with that if, that if you choose to do that. I've heard people use diesel as well. That's not as flammable as regular gasoline. Um, but I think it works almost the same. I haven't used it personally. I don't want to run the risk of having, you know, those ultra flammable liquids in an open space. Um, I, that's just my personal thought on that, but if it works that's great smart. for you, just make sure you're working safe. I, uh, I, I just thought of something. Um, we've been talking now safety and heat and chemicals. Uh, I had this happen and I had a brain fart while I was doing it. Uh, I was absolutely dousing, um, a stuck joint with PB blaster. And, you know, the, the couple ways of, of getting things loose are chemicals, force, and heat. And so I soaked it, and I was just getting frustrated, and I didn't wait long enough. And then I started to cook it, and then it smelled even worse. I went, oh, my God, I just turned this into a, a, a cancer bomb. So I stopped oh, no. immediately. But uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, do you guys know of a rule of thumb? If you are switching back and forth between heat and uh, penetrating fluid, how long do you wait? <laughs> Before you, you want to hear my answer, you cook it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you would, you probably want to wait and either wait till it's dried or wipe it off the best you can. If there's a little bit on there, that's that's okay with me. But you know, if if it's dripping and it says flammable on the can, you probably want to be careful. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was actually just working on uh, <laughs> I was working on my truck the other day. This old uh, 1940s era generator, and I had some stuck pieces on there, and I was 
switching rapidly between map gas and PB blaster with zero wait time. And I didn't die today. So I guess I'm okay. Not recommended, but I, I don't know. Like uh, I know some guys will, They'll heat up a part and they'll quench it with PB Blaster and then they'll heat it up again and quench it with PB Blaster. Oh my god. Just try and keep your face away from it. Don't breathe it in. You'll be fine. Yeah. Well ventilated area. Yes. Fans are fans are your friend. All right, gentlemen. Any last thoughts before we wrap it up here? Are we good to go? All right. We're good. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen at home, once again, welcome to the 10th episode we really appreciate your your listenership um we love having you here make sure you hit us up on our instagram (laughs) at the restoration podcast and make sure to send us questions to our email the restoration podcast at gmail.com we appreciate it thank you ladies and gentlemen guys it's been a pleasure have a great night as always thank you yes Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Hell yeah. Listen to that tagline. Yeah. Bye. 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 Me and my me and my buddy had considered maybe taking a uh, an old like discarded washing machine and turning it into a parts cleaner. That That'd was be like sweet. His, Put his it brain on the spin cycle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. You just you know, the water source is just a pump pumped in uh, cleaning solution or you know, with mineral spirits perhaps even. Gets that would recycled. be awesome. recycled. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be sick. Pretty lazy, but I, I like it. I mean, fuck it. That's totally you, Dave. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Actually, we have a parts washer at work, and I really like using it. Yeah. We um we had a pretty big fire yesterday, and when we when we cut the roof at buildings, the chainsaws get really gummed up full of uh, melted melted tar. Yeah, from the roof. And so we'll just take the saw and take we take the bar and the chain off, and then we just run parts washer. Like it's got the little snake, you know, articulated hose, and uh, just run that through the machine, and it gets all the stuff. Right, it's awesome for sure. Also, yeah. why why is um, the fluid you put in a parts cleaner so damn expensive? What is it? I feel like it's just I, like it's just, mineral spirits. Well, it's like a they say it's like a heavy duty degreaser, but it's like it's like twenty dollars a gallon. That sucks. So I'm I'm trying to read up why it's so expensive. I just Googled why is it so expensive. Uh, the parts cleaners, is it the same stuff that you would use on like brakes? Like brake no. cleaning? No. No, no. It's not as accurate as that. It's much more mild. Brake brake clean will melt your face off. This stuff's like more gentle than that. I love brake clean. Yeah. <laughs> it's the smell, bad. it just goes straight to your head. Yeah. I remember the first time I bought brake clean, I was like, oh, it's non-chlorinated? Where's the chlorinated good shit? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep.